Hi there, welcome to the Age of Grace podcast, where today I've got an episode that is of extreme interest to me. It's something that if you are living in Canada, it relates to every single one of us. It's the fight against an aging population, what it means for all of us as a society. And I actually almost didn't make this episode because it's something that I believe needs to be done right. It's something that needs to be done a certain way in order to spark the conversation that needs to be had. Now, this is a conversation that I've had with numerous clients of mine for multiple years. And as I'm sitting here at home nursing a bummed out back the past couple of days, I thought this is the perfect time for me to dive deep into a topic that I believe has crossed all of our minds at one point or another. So I hope today's episode creates a spark in your mind on what you and your healthcare routine currently mean to you. I hope to inspire and I hope to create a conversation. There's a ton of things to unpack here today, and I hope you stick with me throughout it all to gain a new perspective and awareness on a situation that none of us have faced before. Now, as we're all aware, we're going through an aging epidemic. That's what it is. This may be a funny or a strange way of putting it, but let's look at the numbers and I hope you'll understand exactly what I mean by this. Now, I've spent hours of searching and culminating stats and figures from websites from all over the place My brain is pretty sore, not going to lie, but I've done some digging to get accurate numbers, and to the best of my ability, I believe these numbers contribute very insightfully regarding my earlier statement about the aging epidemic. Now, according to Statistics Canada, our population of Canada in 2002 was made up of 3,900,000 adults over the age of 65, roughly. In 2012, the population of adults over 65 was about 5.1 million, an increase of roughly 23-ish percent. Now, in the next decade, from 2012 to 2022, the increase in adults over 65 increased by, wait for it, 2,147,107 people. That's an increase of 30%. And now I know on its own, this stat really has no context. So let's look at the previous 50 years of population growth in that over 65 years of age bracket. For reference, in the past 50 years, there has not been a single decade with an increase of more than 26% in that age bracket, with most of those decades being in the ranges of about 20 to 25% increase in, in that age bracket. So it makes you ask, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for all of us? This is a shock to the system that we have never seen before, and it's a part of for why our healthcare system is starting to take such a turn and why there's so much talk about a system that is quite simply overwhelmed. Well, one of the biggest issues for which many of you are already aware or have faced personally with you, a friend or a loved one, is the increase in wait times to see specialists. And we're not even going to dive into the fact that about one in five Canadians don't currently have a family physician, which is unacceptable. And, and, and that is by a national survey done by our care. But what does this all mean for you as a taxpaying citizen of this great country? Well, let's just look at some of the costs associated with healthcare treatment for one of the top diseases that we currently face in adults over the age of 65, in which this disease is largely also thought to be largely preventable. So let's talk about heart disease. Okay, we're just going to get right into it here. So Now, when I refer to heart disease, I'm referring to a grouping of conditions that all affect the heart. This may include things such as coronary artery and vascular disease, which is essentially the narrowing of the blood arteries in and around the heart. 
Heart disease can also refer to heart abnormalities or, or rhythmic issues. Heart disease is a larger name we use for a variety of conditions, but the important thing to know is that heart health is typically something that is largely within our control to a point. Although many of us are, are living every day with one or more risk factors that can increase our likelihood of developing some form of heart disease. These things can include things such as drinking, smoking, not exercising, having a diet that isn't optimal, or being overweight. These can all contribute to this condition. Now, it's important to note that there are other things that can go into developing heart disease, but as previously said, there's, there's so many different things that are within your control. And the scary part about all of this is that chronic disease and, and this heart disease, it's, it's a part of one of the four horsemen of chronic disease, which is mentioned in Dr. Peter Atia's book, Outlive. In this book, he basically describes quite in depth how the current healthcare systems and methodologies in place are designed around a system that helps people live longer once they are diagnosed versus putting in place a system designed around prevention instead. And he's, he has this, this famous analogy uh, in which he, he uses this in, in interviews and, and in his book. And he uses this famous analogy in which there's somebody on a roof dropping eggs. And our healthcare system is like somebody on the ground trying to catch all these eggs and preventing them from smashing on the ground. When instead we need to be focusing on the person up top and figuring out why all these eggs are being thrown off a roof in the first place. Now, I know I'm, I may have lost some of you guys with this analogy. I probably butchered it. <laughs> but to break that down further, this analogy is basically saying we need a system in place that, focusing on, that focuses on reducing the risk factors for chronic disease rather than simply focusing on treatment after a disease is being diagnosed. And it's, it's true. That's the kind of system we need that makes it sustainable. So let's talk about what heart disease actually costs us as taxpayers and functional members of society. Now, according to the Canadian Heart and Stroke Foundation, just this one chronic disease alone, and this is, this is a direct quote from the Canadian Heart and Stroke Foundation, Cardio, the cardiovascular disease alone is the most costly disease in Canada. I'm reading this right now. Totaling $21.2 billion in direct medical and indirect lost earnings costs $21.2 billion. For a largely preventable disease, and when I say preventable, and again, this is directly from the Canadian Heart and Stroke Foundation website, almost 80% of premature heart disease and stroke can be prevented through healthy behaviors. So what does that mean for you as someone who is being proactive about you and your family's health? It means being up to date on going and visit, visiting your family physician to determine if you have any precursors, such as, you know, high blood pressure or diabetes or anything out of the norm. And it means that you need to be implementing the habits that contribute to a healthy way of life, things such as a healthy diet, exercise, managing stress, making sure that if you're overweight or obese, that you're doing something about it and, and taking control of the problem, you know, working with a trainer, doing your research online, making a change in your life so it doesn't turn into something worse. And while We've talked about the aging epidemic and we've talked about the costs associated with one of the top diseases related to the aging population. We need to talk about what we can do as a society to take the load off of our healthcare system. And before we get into this, I just want to say that this opinion is mine and mine alone. And while some of these ideas might be what some and many consider naive, the important thing is to keep in mind is that this is a conversation that needs to be had. 
it's something that needs to be taken seriously and top of mind when choosing the priorities in your life and even even taken to the attention of your representatives who you're actively choosing to make decisions that are best for you, your children, and the next generation at hand. So in my opinion, as somebody who has been a personal trainer for the last eight years, I've worked with hundreds of individuals of all ages. I've worked closely and collaborated with some of the best in the industry, ranging from physicians to specialists to healthcare practitioners to everyday moms and dads who are just concerned about their family's well-being. The healthcare system has failed us in three very big ways, and I'm going to talk about those three things today. The first way that it has failed us has to do with normalizing very far from normal foods. It has sadly allowed our health to be purchased by large companies with flashy colors and large marketing budgets to convince us that these highly processed foods are actually under some the, the same umbrella of healthy foods that we've thrived on for hundreds and thousands of years. This, things like good whole veggies, fruits, legumes. And it's allowed an influx of foods and things in our diets that have been fueled by marketing those flashy colors and enticing commercials. It's distorted the reality to make us think that these breakfast cereals, oatmeal bars, and other processed, to be frank, junk, is fueling our children with things to help them thrive. And I wanted to check something just to see if I was on the right path with this. And while I was planning the creation of this episode, I googled the number one most popular granola bar. Nature Valley came up, a company that we can all agree produces fairly good tasting granola bars, right? I, I've eaten them. I, I still eat them. Well, I took a peek at one of the labels of one of their best sellers, and do you know what I found? Well, first off, the second ingredient was sugar. The only ingredient that was more prevalent was oats, which I think we can all say, duh, it's an oat bar. Now, this means that in the granola bar, the most prevalent ingredient is oats, followed immediately by sugar. Not only that, but they had three different types of sweeteners in this single granola bar. Sugar, honey, and then also brown sugar syrup. The question I want to ask is, first off, you know, why on earth do we need three different sweeteners in a single granola bar that has been marketed as quote-unquote healthy? There's also 12 grams of sugar, aka one full tablespoon of sugar. And I mean, we could have a whole other conversation just about added sugars, but we're not going to get into that today. And, and I just want to be clear, this is an episode made to hate on a single company. I'll be honest, I, I do eat the odd Nature Valley bar. I think it tastes yummy, probably because of all that sugar. But, uh, but the problem for, for me is that these different products that are being marketed and pushed onto consumers as healthy options, when unless you've done your research and learned about nutritional labels, you would never know otherwise. I also know how busy moms and dads are, and quite simply put, who really has time to research every single product that they put into their cart. They think they're choosing a healthy option and a healthy product due to the labels and commercials that have taught them that this is a great option. And and where I'm going with this is simply changing the granola bar selection isn't going to change our healthcare system and the approach that we take for our health, is it? No. But if we can begin to make emphasis on certain brands that we know are actual healthy options or include a seal of nutrition telling consumers that it is in fact a healthy option that maintains integrity, hasn't been purchased or tainted by by the wallets of, you know, major corporations, then I think this could be a step in the right direction. And, you know, it's it's been tried to be done in the past. There are certain ones, but I think it really, need, we need to make a, a seal that is mainstream. And is this naive? Maybe. The second point that I think 
we need to make an emphasis on in order to change the trajectory of our health for generations to come starts within our homes. It starts with the parents who are willing and able to take responsibility for the actions and habits that are formed within the home. It's a, it truly is a trickle-down effect that I've seen time and time again with my clients over the course of the last eight years. And I want to tell you a story about, about one of the families that I've worked with. Um, now, now, this family has, has done an absolute incredible job of this trickle-down effect. And it's somebody that I've been working with since I first started my company and first started doing fitness training. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to call him Don. Don is somebody who has been working out regularly for years. I remember when I started with him and having his his three kids walk in the odd time during our session just to watch us work out. Uh, working out became something that it wasn't strange to them. It was just something that you do. There was no stigma about it. There was no negative emotions related behind it. It was just something that, that again, that we do. It was normalcy. And fast forward four to five years later, his kids now between the ages of 12 and 16, they've all implemented working out into their own lives. They regularly have their friends come over and work out in their home gym together. They've made it a, a big, big part of their lives. And I think this comes down to the parents who have modeled by example that exercise is a good thing. It's not something to be, a, be afraid of. It's not something that only a, you know, quote, certain type of person does. They got ahead of it by before any negative stigmas or fears were created by having the kids thrown into, you know, in, into a gym situation that that really embraced them, that that made the gym a positive experience. So you have no idea how often I have I have somebody in their 40s or 50s who have come to me to work out for the very, very first time. Somebody who who told me that, you know, they never enjoyed working out or that they never worked out in the past because they had a negative situation. And I think that if we want to create a generation that is healthy, strong, and low in chronic disease for, for years and years to come, it needs to start with an absolute ownership from more parents like Don, who model what healthy habits look like to their kids from adolescence. If we can give the tools to our youth to take control of their own health from their younger years, they'll have these tools for the rest of their lives. Is this naive? Maybe. The last point we need to touch on before we call it a day in order to change our society's viewpoint and approach to health is that we need to be more vocal about the changes we want to make. If you thought the last two points were naive, then this one is going to blow your mind. We as a society need to make more pushes for opportunities and incentives that push those who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s into fitness and exercise initiatives to begin focusing on the now. The previous two points largely were geared towards the next generation, but our healthcare system is in crisis now, and we need to begin focusing on more incentives towards personal trainers, fitness memberships, health clubs, tennis clubs, squash, heck, it really doesn't really matter. But we need to get people moving and we need to start somewhere. And that's where this entire episode revolves around is starting somewhere. We're not going to fix our approach to health overnight, but the conversations need to begin and we need to start thinking as a society about how we can come together to create a better system for our kids, our kids' kids, and so on. Is this naive? Probably. But it's a conversation that I want to start having. Now, I know this was a longer episode than normal, but it's something that I hope gets the wheels turning for you and helps you to help others. So thanks for tuning in to the Aging Grace podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing this to somebody who you think would find this insightful so we can reach others who may enjoy this show just as much as you did. 
Have a fantastic day, a great rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. This is The Agent Grace.